As Pastor Ruben alluded to when he opened this series, uh, this will be a great series, and it has been. I've learned a lot myself. Uh, he mentioned that there will be practical information, lessons, teachings uh, on this uh, series dealing with relationships. But there was one word that he used <clears throat> uh, when he introduced this series, that there will be a challenge as well for our lives as we live this agape life. Uh, and... And my installment, my portion here tonight, is I would like to try to cover those areas. I'd like to bring some practicality, but also a challenge. When you're challenged, <clears throat> uh, it's a good thing. For those that may not be ultra-call people, uh, I would like to maybe tonight to encourage you uh, to come to the altar tonight. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, He convicts the world of sin. The world... Con the word convict simply means he convinces the world of sin. So if God convinces you tonight that there's something that you may have to do, can I encourage you to come to the altar tonight? Because we are believing for a revival here in our fellowship, within our lives. Before I get to the practicality, the, the practical applications of this message, please permit me to tell you this story. I, I, I read this story uh, in 1980. We came 84, 85 with Pastor Sergio at the Little Echo Park Church. It's been in my hip pocket for a while. I don't know if I've ever used this as an illustration, but permit me because at the end of this message, I'll tie it with a little pretty little uh, bow and uh, we're going to have the Spirit of God convince us <laughs> regarding the topic of forgiveness. There's a story of two men who spoke or recited, would be the better word, the book of Psalms 23. Psalms 23 is a very familiar scripture, very familiar passage. So Christians, non-Christians, religious, irreligious people, people will always use it in the movies when there's a cemetery scene. And the first man goes behind the pulpit and he begins to recite Psalms 23. If he lived back in the 80s, uh, Pastor Ruben, we're talking about, he was probably dressed uh, GQ, gentleman's quarterly style, very uh, well-dressed. Uh, and uh, the way he recited the, the, the scriptures, uh, his enunciation, his pronunciation, his diction, his articulation, his cadence, if you will, uh, his inflection uh, of his words, uh, the crescendo and the decrescendo of his voice. Uh, man, it was so spot on. Uh, he captivated the crowd. Before he even got to the last passage, uh, surely, goodness and mercy, I don't know how he did it, but he had people cheering, standing, Cheering and standing, people were ready to go to the merch table and just buy all the merch. Behind him comes another man. He comes up, a little older, a lot older, probably came with a, came with a cane. <clears throat> Follically challenged. You all know what that means? It's a not, nice way of saying balding. And he wasn't fully follically challenged. Uh, all the gray, all the, uh, what he had left was just gray spots. And he begins to orate. He begins to speak the same uh, scriptures 
slower cadence, no big bravado. But by the end, as he recited the same scriptures, there were no cheering. You can hear dead silence. What was the difference between the first man and the second man? It's the same scripture, move the crowd. One moved them with cheers, another one with tears. What was the difference? Difference is the first man knew scriptures. He knew the scriptures. While the second man knew the shepherd. Lived with the shepherd. Knew the shepherd. Had experiences with the shepherd. And you and I, as the people of God, especially in the day and age that we live in, we need to be a people that just not know scriptures, have known, memorized scriptures. We need to be a people now uh, that you and I have had this relationship uh, with the shepherd himself. I've often said, the man is the message, the message is the man. And as we learn through this series that we be the people that God has called us to be. Living the Godly life has a lot to do with practicing, living, doling out, dispensing, and receiving forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, Bible says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. ESV translation, let me just read that for a little bit. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians chapter 3, 13 to 14. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. These are scriptures that we know. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Central truth to our teaching tonight. Forgiveness is the door to freedom. How many believe you have an idea what forgiveness is? We do. We do. At some point, at one point, the great cry of our society today is about freedom, isn't it? Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to voice out what they would like to say in the turbulent times uh, and these angry, volatile, revengeful, divided, chaotic, uncertain, surely abnormal times that we're living in, these hurtful times. Uh, what we need to do, what we need to get back to is we need to get back into the practice of forgiveness. It is one of the answers. Communication. Relationship, as we've been uh, extending to you uh, all, all in, in, in all this series, these are the answers to uh, the problems that we're, that's going on in this world right now. According to Webster's Dictionary, to forgive is to give up not only claim to requital or retribution, but also resentment or desire for revenge. I'm telling you, we, we, we think, we know, but if you would open your heart tonight, I, I truly believe God will convince us. To forgive means to free the offender of his guilt by taking on oneself the consequences of the offense. 
To forgive is to give this release unconditionally. There can't be love. And it's not so much if you are appropriately repentant or if you have repented to my standards and my liking. It doesn't mean that you have repented, but you're still waiting for that person to come to you with the right words to appease your fury or your dislike. It doesn't mean that if you will change and you come up to my standards, but it's regardless, no strings attached, you're forgiven. One of the great things about forgiveness is forgiveness sets the offender and the offended free. In the words of Alexander Pope, we all know to urge human to forgive is divine. And it takes God, the infusion of his love into our hearts to make it possible for us to truly forgive. Once again, I ask you, how many have an inkling, how many have an idea what forgiveness is? Romans 5.5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because the, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'll say this again. We have an idea. We have concepts of what forgiveness is. Let's take a look at some of the lessons that Jesus taught regarding forgiveness. First of all, we need to understand that all will find it necessary to forgive. Say all, somebody. In his teachings, particularly the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 to 7, Jesus deals with the inevitable result Listen to me, of human and human behavior, behavior rather, human situations and human behavior that we offend and we are offended. Just as when you get your new iPhone or your new phone, I'm not cursing on you, I'm not uh, jinxing you. At some point, you're going to get a crutch, scratch on that thing. You might even, I, you know, you'll hate to, I hate to say, you might even drop it. And as careful, as meticulous as you are, uh, you know, at some point that will happen. And you know how, that's, how life goes. At some point, we offend no matter how meticulous you are. You're trying to be politically correct, uh, spiritually correct. Uh, but at some point, uh, we offend and we get offended. And Jesus says, uh, all will find it necessary to forgive. It's part of life. If it doesn't happen one day, it happens the next. Next week, a week from now, a month from now. Jesus really taught, guys, that we need to receive forgiveness and we need to dole out, we need to give forgiveness. Secondly, we must forgive if we are to be forgiven. We must forgive if you and I are to be forgiven. Mark eleven twenty five to 26. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Take it on to verse 14 and 15. 
For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not give men their, forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Jesus linked our willingness. There has to be a willingness to forgive with our being able to receive God's forgiveness because this is the very heart of God. This is the heart of the shepherd. Didn't Jesus say on the cross, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. Forgiveness is something that we've heard. It's something something that we've done. But can we start something new that we begin to truly walk in this agape love of forgiveness? Forgiveness, Jesus taught, thirdly, that it is a quality of spirit and not such, not so much a measured act. Hear me. Matthew 18, 21 to 22, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. We know the scriptures again, like that first man. Jesus answered, not seven times, but 77 times. Or another translation would say 70 times seven while Peter was processing in his unrenewed mind, and that's what it is that we have to deal with, uh, is with our unrenewed mind. Uh, he was processing this thing. Uh, it, to him, it was an act of forgiving or a quantity. How many times should I forgive? But Jesus brings it deeper, and he says it's more of a spirit. It's more of a quality of spirit. Let me try to, hopefully try to, <clears throat> clear this up. In our churches, and I've been to a lot of our churches, I've pastored several. In all of our churches, we have people that have a spirit of giving. Our churches, the, not just this church, any, there's, they wouldn't run without people that have this spirit of giving. It's in them to give. Uh, they're there, and it's just not to the church. They give to people. They give to others. It's a spirit uh, that they have, uh, and understand uh, it's a quality of spirit. You know, forgiveness is like that. Did you know that? That you just don't give. Givers just don't give once. They just don't give twice. It's coming beyond and above. Did you know that forgiving is a, it's a quality that you and I begin to acquire with the leading of the Spirit of God, a renewed mind, and the, through the Scriptures, you and I, we can attain the spirit, of, the spirit of forgiving. Jesus emphasizes and he reinforces this idea. He goes on in Matthew 18, 23, he speaks about uh, the parable of the unmerciful servant. He says, he begins his words, therefore, therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened. Quick synopsis of this parable. This servant owed several million dollars, according to Barnes' notes. Uh, it was about 15.8 million. Someone else says that it was 200 years worth of wages, and this man was unable to pay that. His master forgives him. A fellow servant owes this servant a few dollars. And one commentator says 15 bucks compared to the several million. And when the servant could not pay, he throws him in prison. And when the master hears about this, he 
puts the unforgiving servant in prison. And Jesus says these words, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother. From where? From your heart. Forgiveness is a key in achieving freedom and keeping everyone together. We've lost so many people. We'll continue to lose people. Unless we turn from just knowing the scriptures to having the shepherd's heart. The answer that we're all looking for in these hurtful times has been taught by Jesus a long time ago. Again, I say, forgiveness is not just so much an act, it begins to be a spirit. I've lost good friends. I've lost my best friend. I've lost great friends because we just new scriptures. Forgiveness is at the heart of the Father. It is at the very core of the Father, God the Father, the Creator. God knew that ultimately humanity was going to fail, but he had already gone this plan that Jesus was going to be the propitiation for our sins. And then Jesus says to the cross, as I alluded to earlier, Father, forgive them. This is why it is so important that forgiveness now becomes something that we practice, we do. As we walk into this spirit, as we delve into this spirit of forgiveness, there are hindrances, there are barriers, there are hurdles that we have to uh, jump over obstacles and many of us can relate to this one of them being when you've been hurt the hurt is too deep and the wound too too fresh do you understand that an offense is a wound of the spirit i've always said that we are more spiritual than we are physical reason why when we hurt it's just not a body pain when we go through offenses uh, it's a deeper wound and it's in the spirit there are people who are so deeply wounded in their spirit and we do not see that just like we don't see many things Proverbs 18 verse 14 says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity but a broken or a crushed spirit who can bear Often the pain of a wounded spirit is more difficult to bear than a physical pain. Are you with me? I'll say that again. Let me reiterate that. The pain of a wounded spirit is more difficult to bear than physical pain. Apologies. We want apologies, but an apology doesn't heal the pain any more than a cast heals a broken bone. And can I... Can I share this with you? We demand too much from ourselves or others when we insist that all the hurts dissolve immediately. Again, it's going to take God to heal the wound of the spirit. 
And this may come instantly or it may come gradually. Gradually, let me teach you what I've learned about forgiveness. There's three stages to forgiveness. First, there's the act of forgiving. You have to personally go to that person and say, man, would you forgive me? Secondly, you know, there's the receival. You have to receive. That person has to receive. But the third one is where we, you know, it just blows our theology and it just messes us up. Uh, you know, the third part to forgiving is that there's a continual act of forgiving. Wouldn't it be great uh, when somebody apologizes to you and it's like, man, everything's done. It's like, whoa, I feel so good. But weeks go by, months go by, even years go by. And man, there's still that pain. You know, part of forgiveness is you keep on forgiving. Like I said earlier, there's a spirit of forgiving. Oh, you didn't get it. You haven't gotten it yet. We're still preaching scriptures. We're still like, yeah, we're looking good. Yeah, baby. There's also another barrier. There's a reluctance to relinquish the revenge. You know why? Because it just goes so goes against our human nature. This human nature is fallen, is depraved. And man, when we continue to walk in our uh, unrenewed mind, man, we take revenge to a different stratosphere, folks. People will be, people will be writing threatening letters. They'd be threatening nose, leaving it in your car. You get messages on your phone like, whoa, where'd that come from? Sometimes you just have to wonder, man, is my, is my drink, is it spiked? And some of you new guys here, you know, pretend this is the mic. You say, ain't dropping the mic. Ain't over. Mic ain't dropped. Homie, I know where you live, homie. <laughs> and it costs to give because it means we have to give up our rights to get even. Again, did we know, did we have an inkling, an idea of what forgiveness is? But this is true forgiveness. Another barrier in our healing or asking for forgiveness or doling out giving forgiveness is it's, we take, try to take the easy way out. Just as water follows the least resistance, so do we as human beings, especially when we're hurt. Rather than face unpleasantness, we choose to ignore the incident or the person. Can I tell you something, being truthful? You know the reason why things escalate? Do you know why the reason why things are perpetuated? Do you know why the reason why people continue to behave the way they behave? Uh, uh, I've come up to the, this conclusion that things escalate and are perpetuated because people just have not been told or made aware at the onset of the initial wounding. And instead of communicating properly, as Pastor Danny explained, we just choose to avoid the person, we choose to avoid the circumstance, the situation. And I've said this, by all means, 
guys, say what you mean, mean what you say, but please don't you ever be mean when you say it. You, you, ever, you ever have a conversation with somebody, and man, you're getting the backhand? Man, I think I'm, I'm getting the backhand right now. And sometimes it's not even the words that they say, it's the spirit that they have. Mean what you say, say what you mean. Man, but don't be mean when you say it. Again, it goes to our communication lessons. While we still exchange pleasantries, we've cut off that person. <laughs> and we built this wall of impossibility. It just makes it impossible for a deeper friendship. I call it, a lot of people have lost the cool breeze uh, relationship. You know what the cool breeze relationship is with, with Adam and God had this cool breeze relationship. Where you and someone, you were so intimate, you were so into your relationship, but now, man, it's no longer there. You've lost it. It happens in homes. It happens at the job site. It happens in church. Where it used to be relational, now it's just casual. Again, one of the things that I say is our relationship is only as good as our first argument. Another thing that stands in the way is pride stands in the way. We're afraid to lose face. We will lose respect. We will feel humiliated. And sometimes we're may be misunderstood that if we allow this person to just get away, get off so easily. Is that a barrier in our minds sometimes? There's a very high cost of unforgiveness, guys. There's the inner bondage. Choosing not to forgive produces this uptight feeling that affects all areas of our lives. Isn't that true? The more we resent, the more uptight we become and we find ourselves in bondage, our freedom is gone. Everything gets affected in our lives. It's spread to our marriage, our homes, our children. People are mad at the world. Ministry, relationship with God is affected. And then it escalates. Uh, now we have this bondage to our offender. We find ourselves emotionally enslaved to the one who has offended us. Everything that he does or she does produces a negative reaction within us. Guys, every little thing that, that individual do, does just bugs you. Every remark, every joke, every look. There he goes again. There, see? You just dropped your phone. <laughs> you just got a big old scratch. Then the hurt deepens. What you and I, we have this tendency, tendency to do is we begin to replay the hurt over and over again. I myself, I have this habit of since I was a very young man before Christ, uh, I have this ability, this capacity to listen to one song I can play for three days. My kids know that. And you and I, unbeknownstly, sometimes we replay the wounds and the hurts 24-7 for months, years. And we have this idea of what forgiveness is. 
but forgiveness is to exonerate your offender that releases him and releases you. There are steps to forgiveness that we can do. One of the things we can do is we can face the pain. We really do. When we face our hurts and anger, accepting the reality of those feelings, acknowledging their existence, we are really, really ready to deal with forgiveness seriously. Let me be candid with you. I've got realities in my life right now that I have to face. As much as I would like Ren to, I, I pray, I wish you were here. My reality is she's not with me. And I have to face that. The feelings that you are going through when you're offended, do you know that they're normal? This is what kind of like messes it up. It's like, man, I, I, I thought I forgave. I, I thought I, God, I, 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 I went to the person. I did the first step, second step. And then we're like, well, am I still feeling uh, this way? In my reality, I go through things, different emotions. And I reached out to someone and just via text said, George, do you know that the feelings you're going through, they're normal? I'm telling you, that just released me. Freedom. Like, really? All these things that's going through my brain, they're normal. And for those that have anger and resentment because of unforgiveness, those things are normal. However, they should not stay there. We need to allow God to heal us so we can move on. Another thing that we can do, we need to put things in perspective. Can you also ask yourself, by, by chance, any chance that you may have caused the offense? Is it possible that the other person was reacting to something you have done? Me? No. Have you tried walking in their shoes? The Indians have this saying that they would not judge another's man until they had walked in their moccasins. Let me digress really quick. Matthew 5:48. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect in that sense does not mean perfect in how we think perfect is. The idea behind it, there's many shades of meanings in that word perfect. One of them is being complete. Be complete as your Father is complete. Isn't God complete? Part of being complete is maturity. Maturity is part of being complete. I like to teach this to our church. The Bible says tonight, by their fruits, you will know them. Yes? We know people, they have good fruits, they have bad fruits, but we know them more from their bad fruits. We know them by their fruits, but can I say this? By their fruits, you will Know them, but by their roots, you shall understand them and love them. If you know where they've come from, if you know what hurts they've been, uh, why do you act the way you do? Isn't it so frustrating? Isn't it so frustrating? Instead, if we've matured, if we're being complete, uh, instead of saying, why do you do that? Man, 
What should go through our brains and our renewed minds should be, what hurt did you go through? Why do you act? Why do you do what you do? And now you're becoming mature. I think I need to have the platform come up. Another thing that we can do is we need to understand and realize, is the pain out of proportion? Did we blow it up? Is the offense out of proportion to what we're trying to do? Recognize that you're not the only one who's hurting. Do you understand that your offender is also hurting too? When you've lost that cool breeze relationship, he's hurting just as much as you are. We need to give the pain to God. We need to release the force of love. Extend forgiveness. We've heard of first responders and they're great. We can't do without them. What we need to be is we need to be first initiators. We need to extend, be the first one to extend and initiate. Turn back, rather turn your back on the problem. This is a good one. It's very, it's impossible to forget what we are forever digging up. I said I was going to tie this in a neat ribbon. Hopefully I can. I can relate to both men that I talked to earlier. In 84s and 85s, 86, 87, 8, my younger years, I knew scriptures. I memorized scriptures, spoke scriptures. 36 years later, I would like to believe that they're no longer just scriptures. I would like to believe that they become a part of my life. I had lunch with my kids the other day and I told them, guys, if mom was here again, this is what I would do. Every time she would leave those doors, I would give her a bear hug for 30 minutes. I won't let her go for 30 minutes. She'll be late for whatever she goes for 30 minutes every time. And if there were any differences, I would be the first one to go, forgive, ask. And I told my kids, guys, this is the same way that I want us, what I want us to do. When you leave those doors, I'm going to give you a hug. I'm going to give you a kiss. And if there's anything wrong in the house, we need to forgive. Haven't we lost too many people? And we continue to, it's like a porous, you know, it's porous. Why? Because we know scriptures. May I ask this wonderful congregation those online. If there's someone that you need to go to 
and be the initiator? Can we please, especially in the times that we're living in, practice this agape love of forgiving? We thought, we think we have an idea of what it is. But are we truly, are we truly practicing it?